time of teaching before we go back into worship and preaching every Sunday. So we've been going through this series. If you haven't been here, we've been going through a series called <clears throat> The Seven Sayings of Jesus on the Cross. And what I know about God is that he is intentional. And we see the same intentionality that he had throughout the creation of the world, through all the Old Testament, when he robed himself in flesh and dwelt among us, when he died and was resurrected, and even to today. We know that he was fully God and fully human at the same time, and even to his last earthly minutes in flesh, that he still had the same intentionality about those last moments as he did when he created the world back in the beginning. Today we're going to look at when Jesus said, I thirst on the cross. So if you can turn with me to John 19, 28. And it says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scriptures might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it in his mouth. Is anyone else a planner in here today? Just a couple of us. So I love a good list. Um, and it feels really good to check things off the list. I just imagine Jesus with his to-do list. So turn water into wine. I'm just getting warmed up. Just getting limber. Uh, I'm going to heal you and you and you and you. Healing for everybody. Check, check, check. Catch a bunch of fish. Raise some folks from the dead. Calm a storm, cast out a bunch of demons, feed 5,000, walk on water, but then the tough stuff. I'm sure he was less excited about checking these things off his list in his humanity. The betrayal, the cross, forgive them for they know not what they do. Tell them about heaven, how great it is. Help them to look forward to it. Make sure there's a place in this world for everyone to do my work. Check. Whew. Before this point in scripture, Jesus had refused vinegar once already. And well, it wasn't actually just vinegar because um, it was a drink the Romans offered meant to dull the senses. And he knew that there were some key things he had to do while on the cross. He couldn't just endure it. He had to do some things still. And how hard that would be in that amount of pain to still be checking things off your list is pretty incredible. Um, so he hadn't fulfilled all the scriptures, so he first refused to keep a clear head. Even the hyssop that delivered the vinegar was significant to the Jews. First, the during the first Passover, the Jews sacrificed a spotless lamb and put the blood of the lamb on their doorposts to make sure the death angel would pass over them. And they did that with hyssop and to make sure that the death angel would pass over their house. And it was the blood of the Passover lamb that saved the Israelites' firstborns from death. And on the cross, the perfect lamb of God gave his blood to save all mankind. And not just that one night, but forever. So Jesus thirsting and being given vinegar was the fulfillment of Psalms 2215, and it says, My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. And though he has brought me unto the dust of death. And when they gave him gall to drink, 
it fulfilled Psalm 69:21. They gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. So they gave him vinegar. Hebrew is gall, meaning something bitter. To drink, thinking, speaking of being thirsty. It symbolizes the cup of suffering. He referenced in the Garden of Gethsemane in John 18:11 and Matthew 26:39. It was a cup of suffering, but also a cup of redemption. But there was even more to Jesus saying, I thirst on the cross. In Numbers 20, 11, the Bible says, And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice. And the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beasts also. When Jesus died on the cross, water came out of the rock just like in the wilderness with Israel. A rock is something dry, but water came out of it when Moses smote the rock. When the rock, which is Christ, was smitten on the cross, water of life flowed from his veins to feel all the world, free all the world. And I'm so thankful that that happened. John 19.31 says, It was the day of preparation, and the Jewish leaders didn't want the bodies hanging there the next day which was the Sabbath, and a very special Sabbath because it was the Passover. So they asked Pilate to hasten their deaths by ordering that their legs be broken. Then their bodies could be taken down. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the two men crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus, they saw he was already dead, so they didn't break his legs. One of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water flowed out. He was smitten on the cross and pierced blood and water flowed out. The blood of the sacrificed lamb on Passover, might I add. And the water of life literally came out of Jesus' side. There are so many connections. I often wonder how the Jewish people missed it. But I wasn't there, so who am I to say? Why water of life? So I did some research found actually a lot of interesting things about water from a Harvard paper. Obviously, water is vital to our survival. It makes up 60 to 75% of our total body weight. A loss of just 4% of body water leads to dehydration, and a loss of 15% can be fatal. Likewise, a person could survive a month without food, but only three days without water. The crucial dependence on water broadly governs all life forms. Isn't that just like our walk with God? God certainly governs all life forms, and I know I can't even go a minute without needing God's help. I'm sure he's like, Rachel, I walked away from you for two seconds. <laughs> Except we know that he doesn't actually leave us or forsake us, even if we are neglecting our time with him. Water molecules bond together in a property called cohesion. The cohesion of water molecules helps plants take up water at the roots. Cohesion also contributes to water's high boiling point, which helps animals regulate body temperature. Water literally keeps us alive. I thank the Lord that he keeps me alive and can regulate our spiritual temperature, if we'll let him. Can I just say, water has a high boiling point, so... No matter how on fire we are for the Lord, we can always turn up the heat. Water's extensive capability to dissolve a variety of molecules has earned it the designation of universal solvent. 
and it is this ability that makes water such an invaluable life-sustaining force. On a biological level, water's role as a solvent helps transport and use substances like oxygen or nutrients. Water-based solutions like blood help carry molecules to the necessary locations. Thus, water's role as a solvent facilitates the transport of molecules like ox oxygen for respiration. Jesus is invaluable to sustaining our life and giving us eternal life. He gives us the things we need to survive, but also the things we need to live and thrive and grow. Without water, cell membranes would lack structure. And without proper membrane structure, cells would be unable to keep important molecules inside the cell and harmful molecules outside the cell. Without Jesus, our lives lack structure. And without that structure, we'll have a much harder time keeping those good things in, like having integrity and keeping our commitments and truly loving one another, serving, and the sin out of our lives. If we aren't careful, one sin leads to another and another, and the next thing you know, you're in a mess. And I'm so thankful that God forgets all our sins when we repent. Water molecules surround DNA in an ordered fashion in support to support its characteristic double helix conformation. Without this shape, the cells would be unable to follow the careful instructions encoded by DNA or pass that structure on to future cells, making human growth, reproduction, and ultimately survival infeasible. Passing instructions and making human growth and survival, Jesus coming to earth and dying for our sins gives us access to the ultimate help for our lives, the Holy Ghost. More on that later. No other molecule matches water when it comes to its unique properties that support life, and there is nothing under the sun that matches what Jesus can do and what he has done to support our lives. Without him, we'd still be trying and failing to live up to all those rules in the Old Testament. Throughout the Bible, the water, water is referred to as a symbol of affliction, of life, and salvation. Revelation 7.17 says, For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them unto living fountains of water, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. This passage here is talking about heaven. In heaven, I was thinking about this. This is totally Rachel making this up. But in heaven, there's just like this big reservoir of water, like all the water you could possibly imagine. And Jesus is who gives us access to that water, and he's the source that leads us there. It says here in that verse, it says, all who are thirsty. So do you guys know the saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink? Well, I personally know this to be true. And <laughs> um, you can, a horse that should be thirsty, that you're trying to make thirsty so that it has to drink, um, they might just decide not to drink, even if they need to. And you can hang on their head and put it in a bucket you can wipe water on their mouth, and you can literally cup water and, like, dump it into their lips, and they can just still decide they don't want to drink it. <laughs> Free will can be so frustrating sometimes. But, Lord, help me never get to the place where I can't be thirsty for you again. 
Amen. The never-ending river of life means there's enough for everyone who wants it. But I think it's also that we need to keep filled with this living water. And it's not like we'll never go through times where we don't need more than other, other seasons. I would guess I've never done this, thankfully. But if you're hiking in the Sahara Desert, you probably need water more than if you're sitting on your couch in 70 degrees. And um, if you're going through a dry time in your life, that's not when you scale back on the intake of water. This is when you need even more. And it's the same with the Lord. If you aren't feeling him close to you and you come into service and you don't really feel anything when you're here, that's when we need more of the Lord and not less. In Matthew 5, 6, it says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Thirst is one of the most basic human signals for survival. I don't think it was a coincidence that one of the last things Jesus said on the cross was, I thirst, other than the fact that he had some things to say, and if you're really thirsty, you can't physically say it. But um, according to a Mental Floss article, Zachary A. Knight co-author of a study of thirst in mice, an assistant professor in the Department of Physiology at University of California, and his team were able to view real-time neural activity in the brains of thirsty mice. When they stimulated neurons in the subfornical organ of the mice, the animals drank water. Similarly, giving the mice salt stimulated these thirst neurons. When they blocked the neurons all together, the mice didn't drink at all, even when their physiology said they should be. Just like these mites, too much of the world and too much flesh, and it blocks the parts of us that desires to be close to God. And that's exactly what the devil wants. He doesn't even have to lead us to great sin to get us to fall away. All he has to do is distract us from being close to God. Since the beginning, the devil has desired to be, like a, to be like God, but he has only ever been and can ever be a mere shadow of what God is and what he is capable of. Back to the mice study. A surprising part is that the thirst neurons receive signals from the mouth and oral cavity that you have drank liquid and even though the blood hasn't received that water yet, the person stops feeling thirsty. Which is why when you drink a soda or something, I know some of you say that you feel refreshed after drinking a soda, um, you might initially feel satisfied because these um, things in your oral cavity say you just drank something so you're feeling satisfied. But in 20 minutes, when that reaches your bloodstream, you will be thirsty again. Only water does the trick. But sometimes, either because of circumstances or because it's all we know, we try to quench that thirst in a way that just doesn't do the trick. This world fills this thirst with a lot of different things that don't fill us up. Drugs, alcohol, relationships, right. entertainment. But let's be honest, that's what happens in church sometimes. We're focused on the things about God that don't quite fill us up. In John 4, Jesus is traveling 
and stops at a well and asks the Samaritan woman for a drink. We'll pick up in verse 13. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of the water, of this water, the water in the well, shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So the woman says she wants that. Jesus first calls her out of her sin. Backstory, she'd had five husbands, and the guy that she was currently living with was not her husband. So Jesus first calls her out of her sin before she can receive this living water. Then in verse 21 it says, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship ye know not what, we know what we worship, for the salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So some of you may know my testimony, but I grew up in another denomination. And there were a lot of wonderful things about this denomination Um, There were many principles instilled in me from serving to daily disciplines, but I always was left feeling like there was something more, something missing. I knew God loved me and I could see his blessings in my life, but there was just something that I kept seeking, youth group after youth group and church after church. I just kept thinking there has to be more than this. God has to be bigger than this. John 7 37 to 39 says, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believed on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. What I was missing in all those churches and all those youth groups was the Holy Spirit. This scripture does not say that he who believes has the Holy Ghost. It says that they that believe should receive the Holy Ghost. At this moment in the Bible, Jesus hasn't yet died and been resurrected, and the day of Pentecost hasn't yet happened. Once Jesus dies, that's when the river of living water is poured out for all of us to receive. So I just had part of the story. There were just a couple pieces I was missing. In closing, if the musicians would come. The world is thirsty, but there is a never-ending river of life that is flowing for all to receive. And like the woman at the well in John 4.13... Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And we never thirst again when we drink of that water. All the, yes, thank you, Jesus. All the things in this life that leave us empty and hollow, we don't have to seek these things anymore. 
When I was younger, there was a secular song that summed up what this life is like. The words are, I've got it all, but I feel so deprived. I go up, I come down, and I'm emptier inside. Tell me, what is this thing that I feel like I'm missing, and why can't I let it go? There's got to be more to life than chasing down every temporary high to satisfy me. I realize this song is about addiction, and not everyone in this world is addicted. But God created in us an empty part of us that he meant for us to fill with him. And everyone fills this void with something. What maybe it is drugs or alcohol. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's work. Maybe it's living vicariously through your kids. Maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's some kind of specific lifestyle. It could be a million things, and not all of them are sin. But they will leave us empty in the end. I want to strive after what it says in Psalms 42, 1 to 2. As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? Lord, help us to fill the void inside of us with more of you. Let us continue to fill ourselves up with your living water and not the cheap substitutes that this world has to offer for us. Help us to thirst after you, holiness and righteousness, and help us not keep it to ourselves, but tell everyone who is thirsty in this world that they can come to Jesus and they can fill in that part of themselves that they have been trying to fill their whole lives and haven't found anything that fills them up. This world feels alone right now, and we can be the church and show them someone who can be their companion through the ups and the downs of this life, and they don't know yet. Let people see the church for our love and not for the things we're against. Help us to show these people who God truly is. Thank you, Jesus.